0: Who are the three most important players to any success the Bruins may achieve in 2023-24? Well, I'm going to break them down here on today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. You're Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be. Today is Tuesday, July 18th, and I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Bruins part of your day every single day. The podcast is free and available on your favorite podcast app. Spotify, Apple, Pocket Cast is what I use. It's also available in video form on YouTube. So go to both places, smash that subscribe button absolutely free, and you get daily Boston Bruins content. In fact, there is a podcast for your favorite baseball team, your favorite basketball team, your favorite football team, your favorite college squad, and all other 31 NHL teams as well. So just Tons of content being pumped out on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking about three players on whom I believe Boston's success next season may hinge. Before we get into that, a quick reminder. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, at LockedNHLBruins. I've yet to jump on threads, but we'll do that soon. You can find me. My Dad Jokes, Hockey Thoughts, at E&C on Twitter, threads, and some other stuff on Instagram as well. All right, let's jump right into it. And let's assume for the moment that neither Patrice Bergeron nor David Krejci will be back or whatever. Let's just assume maybe Krejci won't be back. And we have a situation in which Pavel Zaka is a top six center for the Boston Bruins. Well, I think he's going to have to prove that last season was no fluke. Pavel Zaka, in his first year with the Boston Bruins, put up career numbers pretty much across the board and finally lived up to the billing of the kind of player that Everybody thought he would be when he was drafted 6th overall in 2015. His previous career high in points was 35. Actually, no, 36. Sent two seasons ago with the New Jersey Devils. Here, last year with the Bruins. 21 goals. 4 ahead of his career high. 36 assists. 12 ahead of his career high in that category for 57 points. Now it wasn't his highest point per game total. It actually matched the 35 points that he achieved in 50 games back in 2020, 21, 0.7. But he, (coughs) excuse me, achieved a high amount of shots on goal, 16% shooting percentage. That might come back a touch. Um, but had success up and down the board for the Boston Bruins. Now he also earned a pretty nice new contract. He'll be paid uh, 4.75 average annual valuation over the next four seasons. And he's really going to have to step up and prove that he can be a at least a second line center for the Boston Bruins and be an effective distributor playmaker and centerman for our boy David Pasternak. Those two likely to remain together, the check connection and despite his career year, he wasn't really uh, you know contributing too much on the power play. He's had 16 Points on the power play two seasons ago, 18 back in 2016, 17, oh sorry, 13 points, 11 points last or two seasons ago, only eight power play points this year. So he might need to step it up that way. His face-off wins, that will be an area that he has to become a bit more proficient in. Only a 45.3% success rate last season. or 1 minute, 43 seconds of power play time, which is down from his career average. And so add it all up and Pavel Zaka. Yes. He had a very good season with the Boston Bruins, his first season with the Bruins, but he was playing largely with David Pasternak and David Krejci. And I don't want to go as far as to call him a passenger on that line, but if he's playing with Posternock and say James Van Riemsdyk, that really kind of changes uh, the tenor of things. And let's be honest, they weren't exactly a powerhouse defensively that line. Yes, they had a plus 22 goal differential, but a negative shot differential, and a negative shot attempt differential. His best um, shot and shot attempt differentials came playing with uh, limited time with Pasternak and Tyler Bertuzzi, as well as Posternock and Taylor Hall. He really had success playing with Bergeron, and DeBrusque, but that was very, very limited. The 41.9% of his ice time was spent with Krejci and and Pasternak, and they had those negative shot and goal differentials. So our boy Zaka is really going to have to step it up defensively. That's been one of the strengths for the Bruins down the middle, of course. Selkie Trophy winner Patrice Bergeron. David Krejci, traditionally a pretty strong defensive center. Speed, kind of um, not his friend anymore. But uh, Pavel Zaka, I really believe if the Bruins are going to have any success next season, he's going to have to prove that this season was no fluke and show some growth in the face-off circle, defensively, while also helping David Pasternak remain an elite goal scorer at the NHL level. Um, so that's my number one player who things really hinge on Pavel Zaka, you know, he's being paid pretty modestly at under 5 million. That's less than Charlie Coyle's making, uh, if they can get second line center production out of him, that's very good value for that. But, uh, we need to see that last season was no fluke and that he really is this kind of player for the Boston Bruins and without the protection from Bergeron and Krejci, So that's the number one guy. And we're going to talk about the other two guys who really need to step up next season here after the break. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. And you can take your first swing at betting on the MLB on FanDuel to get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets. That's up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose on your first wager. That's $200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line to over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today, visit fanduel.com/lockedon to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com/lockedon. FanDuel, the official betting partner of Major League Baseball and the Locked On podcast network. And thank you so much once again for making Locked On Boston Bruins part of your day every single day. On tomorrow's episode, we are going to do a quick divisional outlook. Who got better? Who got worse? Where do the Bruins figure to slot in? Kind of a summer power rankings edition later on this week. Going to do a mailbag episode. So please, please send in some questions via Twitter, threads, Instagram, or in the YouTube comments. All right, there was a rumor floating around on Twitter yesterday that Jake DeBrusque was in conversation to be traded to the New York Islanders in exchange for uh, P.G. Pajot, who is, of course, a center for the New York Islanders. In my mind... First of all, there was a lot of comments saying on the Islanders' side of things that they would not trade Pajot for DeBrusque. Uh, Some other people saying it only made sense if Bergeron doesn't come back. For me, the Bruins already have a Pajot in Charlie Coyle. They have very similar age cap hit stats from last season. They don't need another guy like Pajot. And I really do believe that This is the year that we will see Jake DeBrusque uh, maybe not explode offensively, but really become a consistent goal scorer, putting up at least 30 to 35 goals. This past season, he had 27 goals in 64 games, a 0.42 goal per game, rate. Uh, I'm not a huge math guy, but that would put him at 0.42 times 82, 34 goal pace over an 82 game season. And I think that should be the goal for him this year, pushing for that, well, easily hitting 30 goals and pushing for that 35 goal threshold, 60 points as well. Love to see him get a 35, 25, stat line and this is a big year for Jake DeBrusk because he can become an unrestricted free agent next summer. I talked about this last week uh responding to a question about whether he will be extended, his status as a core player. Next summer, he will be 27 years old. Crazy to think that Jake DeBrusk is on the verge of turning 27. He will do so on October 17th and in the prime of his career. Probably, hopefully, coming off a new career high in goals. He just matched his career high this past season of 27 in 64 games. He scored 27 in 68 games back in 2018-19. That was his, uh, well, no, his career high in points was as a rookie, 43, before the season. It's now set at 50. So Jake DeBrusque, for himself, he needs to have the best season of his career. Needs to keep shooting the puck. Last season, he had almost a three-shot-per-game average, 191. Would love to see him top Well, he will in a full season top the 200 shot mark for the first time in his career. If he maintains that pace and his shooting percentage last season wasn't really all that elevated in 2019, when he had the 27 goals, 17.3 this past season, it was down to 14.1, a career average of 12.8. So Would really love to see him hit that 30-goal mark, and they really need him to to do so because Taylor Hall's gone. There's no Tyler Bertuzzi in the mix. They're going to be relying on some secondary scoring from James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, Hopefully have Trent Frederick back in the mix to try to put the puck in the net. Some younger guys, maybe like Oscar Steen, Jacob Lauko. Mark McLaughlin looking to put the puck in the net at the NHL level. You know, goals could be a bit more difficult to come by this season. And DeBrusque is a guy who needs to take a step forward and not backwards. If he takes a step backwards, it's likely that his time with the Bruins could be done. And they're not going to want to commit Long term and big bucks to a guy who seemed on the verge of establishing himself as a consistent, bonafide scoring winger, and in his contract year takes a step back. So Jake DeBrusque, and again, say Bergeron doesn't come back, you have. Marshawn, Coil, and DeBrusque on the top line, quote unquote. Uh, he's going to need to help create some space for Marshon. Uh, he's going to need to convert on some Coil opportunities, and yeah, just really make up for even more lost offense if Bergeron and Krejci aren't back. Now, if Bergeron is back, that will certainly help DeBrusque reach new heights as a lot of his recent success has come since playing with Bergeron and Marchand. A couple years ago, he was on a line with Curtis Lazar and Eric Haula most frequently, or Eric Haula, Craig Smith, Eric Haula, Nick Foligno, um, Oscar Steen, Charlie Coyle, Thomas Noshik. These were the guys that he was playing with. In order for him to take that next step, he needs to remain in the top six and ideally playing with Bergeron if it's Coyle that he's playing with could be a bit more difficult to set those career marks. But again, that's the mark of a an elite-level NHL scorer that you can create that offense on your own and get the puck on net get it in the net with consistency. And that's what we need to see from Jake DeBruscan and the Bruins' success really depends on him remaining that consistent goal scorer that he has proven to be since jumping up on the top line. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about one more player who the Bruins' success may hinge on. Here coming up in 2023-2024, and it's a guy who is brand new to the squad. Morgan Geeky signed with the Boston Bruins via the Seattle Kraken, largely due to, I don't want to say a promise, but the belief that he will get a bigger shot with the Bruins than he got in Seattle. Iki was one of the more productive players in the NHL in the ice time that he was given last season. He appeared in 69 games, scored nine goals, added 19 assists for 28 points, 0.41 point per game average. That was with five seconds of power play ice time on average, 10 minutes and 27 seconds of ice time total or sorry average per game that's not a lot at all his um production can take a big leap if he's given that third line solid ice time at least you know 13 minutes per game and he could really flourish under a head coach like Jim Montgomery. Last season, his main line mates were Daniel Sprong, Morgan Geeky, and Ryan Donato. Uh, He played with Brandon Tanev, Yanni Gord, Carson Kuhlman, Ryan Donato, names that we're familiar with, guys that, you know, couldn't quite pop in Boston and who had issues Um Finding that consistency that we just talked about with respect to Jake DeBrusk. Now, there's no guarantee that he's going to be playing with better line mates. Um, could be a situation where he's playing with Trent Frederick, Jesper Bokvist. You know, those are not dissimilar cases to guys like Sprong, Kuhlman, Donato. You know, guys who can't put the puck in the net, but who aren't necessarily consistent, reliable scorers night in and night out or give you high chances of offense. Now, what Geeky brings to the table is an ability to block some shots. He's an almost even face-off. Uh, dot specialist almost 300 wins last year 49.3 percent success rate even just averaging those five seconds of power play time he still chipped in a power play goal last season Uh, he can hit a bit you could probably use getting the puck on um, on net with a bit more regularity but he's going to be a third line player who has some second line potential. Uh, You look at his shooting percentage and maybe slightly higher than expected last season. But given the opportunity, I think he really can thrive with the Boston Bruins and they're going to need that, not even secondary scoring, but that third-level scoring, those solid contributions from the bottom six in order to continue to be a competitive team. And that was one of the hallmarks of the Bruins last season. Depth, scoring from all four lines might not be the case as much this season, but if you can get Morgan Geeky to break out and pop as a member of the Boston Bruins, then uh, you're in a better position than you could have been if you had not reached out and given him the assurance that he'll get more playing time this season. I really think a line of Frederick, Geeky, Boakfist could pop for the Boston Bruins this coming season. Ideally, Bergeron's back, and you could have Coil, Geeky, Frederick, uh, maybe Boakfist challenging for some top six minutes. Um, a lot of it hinges on whether or not Bergeron is back. If he's not back, you still have options. If he is, then the picture could be a lot clearer. You could have, yeah, a lot of different combinations up front. Um, and I really like that signing of Jesper Bokvist. He could have easily been on this list, but I'm putting it on geeky because of his versatility. The fact that he can play center as well as the wing and, because he came to Boston specifically because he wanted that challenge of more ice time and to prove that he was up to the task. And uh, hopefully he lives up to that billing here in black and gold. Let me know if you have any other players that you would pinpoint as guys who need to step up or on whom team's success depends this coming season. Hit me up in the YouTube comments or on Twitter. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow to discuss. An early look at the Atlantic Division Power Rankings, who's better, who's worse, where the Bruins might slot in at the moment. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode, my friends. Hope you're all doing well, enjoying the summer. As a reminder, um, every day this week, next week, probably only one show because I'll be on vacation, and then through August, we'll have three episodes per week uh, leading up to training camp. Keep it locked to Locked On Boston Bruins for all the latest on the black and gold. If there's any Frederick Swabin updates, I'll be sure to post that on YouTube. Uh, And uh, yeah, please take care of yourselves, friends. Talk to you again here tomorrow on Locked On Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day.